When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for the Friday afternoon live stream. I'm Bobby Burton, joined by Rod Babers and CJ Vogel, brought to you by MyPerfectFranchise.net. Uh, get a little talk about uh, some Longhorn football today. Uh, CJ, you had you, you put some nuggets out this morning on the message board over on On Texas Football that I, I think that uh, people want to hear about. Uh, Rod Babers, you've been talking to Bob Shipley. Uh, a lot of people had some interesting things to say about y'all's football theory. Y'all kind of dug into what it's like to be a coach uh, at the University of Texas mm-hmm. or a big-time place and the expectations placed on those people. I thought that was an interesting conversation given Kenny Baker's uh, new job as defensive line coach for the Longhorns as well. Uh, but it's a Friday afternoon. All is well and good here uh, as we get going and stuff. Uh, hey, Rod, uh, let's let's start with you and, and just your general take on the Kenny Baker hire overall for people that, that haven't heard you really kind of espouse your feelings on this one yet. Uh, yeah, I know uh, it's, you know, it's kind of become a controversial hire, I guess, among Longhorn fans just because it's off the beaten path. Uh, not, not, not any of the names that uh, had been talked about, reported on. Um, and of course, uh, I think for Longhorn fans, some of it consider it underwhelming. I think there are specific traits that Sark was looking for with uh, this hire you know, we talked about it and CJ mentioned it as well. I think, Sark, the NFL, the NFL tie of any kind was big. I mean, the truth is, Sark wouldn't have been able to justify the hire if he didn't have the one year of NFL experience. It yep. was probably it, it probably to the point where you couldn't even justify the hire among Longhorn fans. Hell, the, you know, there'd be a lot of blowback if it was just a D-line coach from Western Kentucky. But that's how much the NFL, that's how much cred- credibility you get from the league, right? The NFL is a credibility. And with that being said, that's why Sark wants those guys with that, you know, with that element, with that credibility on his staff. He wants those guys with that tie to the NFL, player, coach, doesn't matter, because we all know it's like, oh, man, the guy got to the NFL. And listen, there are a few, few ways to get to the league, guys. There ain't a lot of ways to get there. They're very narrow path to get there as a player or a coach. And the way to get there as a coach, first of all, nepotism, family business. All right. That's just the way it held. Like, guys, a third of the NFL head coaches out there related to a former or a current head coach. That's, just, that's the way it is. Family business. Hell, Callahan, Bill Callahan's son, he got a job. The Harbaugh's, Harbaugh family business coaching. That's just the way it is. I ain't saying that's a bad thing. I'm oh. just pointing out that's just the reality of it. By the way, that's probably most businesses around the world. So I'm not, the NFL is not immune to that. And he ain't got that though. I, I, not that I can see. Maybe I'm missing something, but I don't. There's no research that I've done that that shows an NFL family tie of that kind. Um, so he doesn't have that. So other ways to get to the NFL as a coach, first of all, you've got to be able to network really well. So when you when you you know you have a relationship or you develop a relationship with a guy with an NFL tie, you've got to be able to cultivate it, be able to maximize it. And to be a fast riser like him, what, five years at the FBS and the NFL level coaching, 11 years total coaching um, at the college and the NFL level. I mean, you got to be a fast riser to do that in the coaching ranks. Trust me, I've studied it because I've thought about it. You better be able to network. You better maximize relationships. Relationships have to matter to you. You have to value them. 
And that's what recruiting is in a nutshell, guys. It's just relationships. Being able to value those relationships. So I think Sark probably he probably noticed that. Hey, I man, this guy can network. You know, he knows he's got you know uh, charisma. He can know how to communicate with people. That's half the battle in recruiting. And in terms of recruiting, because I know a lot of people are concerned about it. He doesn't have ties to Texas. Hey, where you know he hadn't recruited at a high level. How do you know the guy can recruit? Uh, you know, I don't know if he's married or whatever. Matt Brown used to always say, like Coach Shipley said, you know, hey, look at his wife. Now, is he, look at his wife or his girlfriend. His wife or his girlfriend is unattractive, then you know he can't recruit. Just move on. <laughs> That's an old coach today. Coach Shipley brought that up. It's a great one. I forgot about it. But but aside from that, though, he's got ties to Atlanta, right? He uh, played high school football, I believe, around that area. Also, at Lakeside High School, where he's a defensive coordinator, also around that area. And guys, Atlanta, right now, in terms of metro areas that are – basically producing the most NFL draftable talent. Um, they're, they're right ahead of DFW in the last four years of metro areas producing the most NFL players. And I've been studying it too. And hell, Houston's in there and Miami's in there. And these, and they're sort of, but, but Atlanta's at the top. And I think that's the heart of SEC country right now. Um, that's a big part of why Georgia has – you know, came come to power in the way that they have because of the city of Atlanta and that metro area. I think Shark wants a piece of it. That's where a lot of the D linemen are, uh, are in too, that area, SEC country. So I'm not, like I said, I don't know if he's a recruiter, but I'm just going to put the pieces together. And one thing I also will say at the NFL level, you've got to be able to develop talent. That's the one coaching skill, the one skill they covered about every other. And apparently this, that must be something that he does well is develop talent. You don't get to the NFL unless you can do that. And I think for a lot of folks who may be concerned about whether he can, you know, develop the guys, the, the talent that's on campus, um, that has been one of even uh, there was several quotes from uh, 247 Sports from a coach that remarked that he's an, he's, he's an elite teacher of the game, an elite developer of talent. Um, so I, I don't know him that well, but that's a source that is a little close to, closer to him. And that would make a lot of sense as to how he was able to break through the NFL without the family ties, you know, and, and that you no know, people just noticed that this guy knows how to teach the game, knows how to develop and maximize talent. And that'll get you also in, on, on a meteoric path to the NFL as well. So I think he can network and he's a guy that can develop talent. I think those are the, the traits that Sark was trying to identify with the hire. And, and CJ, talk a little bit about that because he does have uh, some history in developing players for the NFL. Kenny Baker does the new defensive line coach uh, at the University of Texas. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, you've done a little bit of research on that. Yeah, he's had four guys earn all con or all, all conference recognitions, you know, a first team or second team. Uh, recognitions since you know the the 2019 has you know really really four years of uh college coaching for Kenny Baker his last four he's produced four guys that have have earned all conference uh honors I think that's significant that's what Texas had been seeing the last two years with Ojmo Coburn being drafted and obviously Sweat and Murphy this past year as well uh there's one guy in particular that really stood out amongst the rest when it comes to Kenny Baker's development that's D'Angelo Malone, and he had him at Western Kentucky, his last stop. He was the Conference USA Player of the Year in 2021 on the defensive line. Ended up being a third-round pick of the Atlanta Falcons. Played in about six or seven games this past season for the Falcons as well. So you see that there's, you know, not 
probably not the best talent going to Western Kentucky. I think we can all agree with that. But there is little bits of uh, of development that you can see, you know, very evidently that that is what, you know, the fingerprints of Kenny Baker. So I think that's encouraging. You you look back at what he was able to do at uh, UT Chattanooga. He had three guys earn two of them earned second team. One of them earned first team honors, you know, on that defensive line. That's encouraging. I think uh, Miami, you also look at what the Dolphins did this past year. They had a number of guys have career, you know, career years and totals and sacks. And I understand that's not entirely him, but he was in that, that room. You know, he was a big piece of getting that, that, that team and that, that unit up to speed. And so I see the development each spot that he's been. And I think that's encouraging. Rod, you mentioned the networking and relationship building. There's a good video of him at Western Kentucky that is circulating. We put it up on, on texasfootball.com. But it's him sitting there talking, well, when I recruit kids, I want to make sure that they fit my program and they fit wanting to play football at my university. And then we'll build that relationship after that. And I think that's very important, especially when you take over at a spot like Texas. There's going to be a lot of kids wanting to play for Texas. How can you you know, kind of differentiate the kids that are going to be good football players and the guys that, like Bobby, you've mentioned, are going to be game breakers. And I think that's really encouraging here. He already has that eye for finding kids similar to that and obviously the track record, as I just mentioned, in developing them into being game breaker type players. Got it. Uh, All right. A couple other things going on other than just uh, Kenny Baker that we want to talk about. Steve Sarkeesian on the road right now, uh, CJ. Uh, He was in Southeast Texas uh, yesterday visiting Jasper, Port Natchez Groves. We know that. Uh, he's up in Northeast Texas today. Tell folks a little bit about that. Yeah, he's going from corner to corner of the state of Texas. He's up in uh, Texarkana today, uh, t- checking out 2026 uh, running back Tredarian Ball, as well as 25 defensive back Xavier Scoron over there at Texas High. And then he's going to make the, the short trip down to Pleasant Grove to see uh, our good friend Josh Gibson, the head coach over at PG, as well as Texas's newest uh, uh defensive line commit or defensive end commit, excuse me, Lance Jackson. So a lot going on up in the that top right corner of the state of Texas. And I can't tell you there's probably another man on this earth looking forward to the weekend more than Steve Sarkeesian after uh, the miles he's been racking up over the last week. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I tell you what, they're all going, you know, 50 miles an hour or 100 miles an hour right now. Uh, Tashard Choice is now offered another player in the state of Georgia. For the class wow. of 2026, he did it again this morning. Uh, young guy out of a, a wide receiver out of Cedar Grove uh, in uh, South uh, South Atlanta. Uh, interestingly, for me, uh, Texas already has one commitment in the the 2025 class from the state of Georgia. They've yes. just hired Kenny Baker, like like uh, Rod pointed out, from the mm-hmm. state of Georgia. Oh yeah, it's a shard choice. It grew up there. He's obviously going to. I think Georgia is going to be the next place that Texas tries to plant a little flag. They, they've done it a little bit with Orlando, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and places like that. They're after this 2026 quarterback from Tampa. So they've done Florida a little bit. Now I think they're going to do Georgia a little bit next, guys. Yeah, they got a foothold in Louisiana as well. Yeah, obviously. Well, I mean, they've done so well in Louisiana at the top level. They yeah. haven't done great with that second-tier prospect in uh, Louisiana necessarily. But at the top of the heap with Arch and Derek Williams, uh, you know, give me a break. They're they're killing it right now. Georgia has surpassed California, actually, as the third most fertile state in in football in, in football recruiting. It used to be just Texas, you know, Texas, Florida, California. Boom, that's the top three. Actually, Georgia 
in terms of uh, most uh, NFL draft picks uh, who played high school football in that state. Yep. In the last few years, Georgia surpassed California, guys. It is. Right. I wanted to get your thoughts on that because it's it's a fun talking point to see where these hot spark spots are. And I think what we'll see is obviously uh, that New Orleans, Louisiana group, Georgia, as you mentioned as well, they, they produce a lot of NFL talent. Not many of them leave that area. You know, they stick around at LSU, Georgia, Alabama. It's kind of been where they feed to. California, on the other hand, it feels like for the last five, seven, eight years, they don't necessarily have that one feeder school. You know, USC's kind of been down. UCLA is not necessarily an attractive place to play at right now. You certainly can't go play at Cal or Stanford anymore. Mm-hmm. Is there kind of a, a, a trend in these guys? It, do you see it as a result of them sticking with those SEC schools with Saban and Kirby Smart more so than maybe a drop-off in talent geographically? Yeah, I agree. I, I think when you just nailed it, right, when the – when the fertile recruiting ground, when it starts to like, you know, obviously trend toward being one of the most fertile recruiting grounds in the country, whatever it is, your your Texas, your Florida, California, whatever. Um, when that coincides with the premier programs in the state, also, uh, you know, also trending in the right direction, then I think the talent stays. Um, but when California schools have been down, they just have been. They, they the Cali schools have been down. So in that case, that Cali talent leaves. It was happening in Florida too. Ghost, right. I'm sure you guys probably know better than me. When those Florida, when all the Florida schools were down, Florida State was down. Florida was down. All at the same Miami. All at the same time, man. Florida starts talent started leaving, and it's. I think it is as simple as. I mean, if the Georgia's been up, right? Georgia's up, and talent level in that area is also at an all time high. In terms of recruiting, those guys, they stick around that area because Bama's still up and Bama recruits that area and Georgia and those programs, you know, Ole Miss is now trending up. They just stay in that general area because it does matter still to some guys to play in the region, to play in the region. So it's easier for mom and dad and family to get to the games. They know the region, you know, you know, the weather is similar in the regions that you're in. All the guys, it does matter to some guys. It matters to me. And it matters to those guys too. So I think it's all about whether that that the premier programs in that state, when that that talent level, that talent pool is really really deep, when if their premier programs are also hot, that talent will stick around. Like Texas right now, the talent's sticking around, all right? But that's because Texas is up. When Texas was down, and Texas A and M wasn't great, where was the talent going? Out of yep, state, yep. gone. Period. Hey, Rod, I know you guys are talking about high school recruiting, but the whole winning thing is mattering at Michigan right now. Yeah. We've yet to see that bubble burst as far as the portal is concerned uh, in Ann Arbor. Uh, Much anticipated, hopeful it would happen for teams like Texas that are looking for a great defensive lineman perhaps, uh, but has not happened yet. And so I had my hats off to Michigan. My hats off to Michigan. They deserve it. They they won to the winner go the spoil or to the victor go the spoils. There's a couple of things at play though, and you're right. A couple of things at play here. First of all, Jim Harbaugh being a Michigan man helps. He's a I Michigan agree. man, so he he wanted to do what was best for Michigan too. So he's been, I think, trying his best after watching what happened in Alabama to keep as much continuity as possible. He also the timeline. I'm not saying Jim Harbaugh did it on purpose, but that man does like loopholes. The <laughs> timeline of it, right? In terms of the 
um, in terms of the, the, the academic window, it, it's a really small, minuscule window now for these kids to get academically admitted into another school. They've already started class. Half these kids already enrolled. Not half of them. They all enrolled already at Michigan. Hey. You know what I mean? So they're probably thinking, listen, it's it easier for me to just stick around for one for this semester, give Coach Moore a chance, and then I'll see in the next transfer portal window if I want to leave. And that's what Jim Harbaugh did for him. I'm not saying he did it on purpose, but that he did. He did delay. We've been asking about that damn job since before the college football playoff started, guys, about him leaving. And yet he finally – and you know what? It's the Chargers. The Chargers would have taken you on as the head coach long ago, man. He, he slow played it. He slow played it on purpose. In my opinion, that's just my, my theory. And he did it so they could keep everything together. And it is. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. I, I, I want to say something. You said you mentioned Jim Harbaugh likes loopholes. You know, I mean, he scoffs at loopholes. He just opens the whole thing up and lets the <laughs> run through. I mean, it's a chasm. It's a, there's, no, there's no black and white with him. The whole world's gray. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if he wasn't a football coach, he'd be a great lawyer finding these little places hey. to exploit, you know? <laughs> I completely agree. That is that is Jim Harbaugh. He, he's like totally into that. All right, uh, we got we got time for all your questions. Uh, CJ's got some stuff I want to get to uh, real quick in a second about uh, some uh, uh, off-season workouts that began on Tuesday. I'm going to ask him that in a little bit. But first, I want to say thank you to our sponsor. Each and every Friday, it's live stream brought to you by Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're looking to get into the franchise game, look no further than Andy. He can help you go through the process, uh, get you interviewed, make sure uh, that he is identifying the correct franchise for you. You may have some preconceived notions uh, that he may be able to dispel or reinforce. Give him a call, 404-973-9901. That's 404-973-9901. And he's literally set up dozens of people uh, with new businesses through myperfectfranchise.net. Thanks, Andy, uh, for that. All right, CJ, off to you here uh, as we talk about this uh, situation uh, you got some news and notes that you dropped on the uh, on Texas football message board. Tell us a little bit about uh, what you've heard from offseason workouts thus far. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned it previously in the week, but it's going to be a concerted effort for Quinn Ewers to take this team under his wing and really take leadership and ownership of it being his team. 
You know, we talked about the le- the leadership. He was in the middle of the plank circle at the, the conclusion of a winter workout. That's another step that we had hoped to see uh, last year. I thought he made that step. This year, I think you, you're going to need to see a little bit bigger of a step in, in terms of taking ownership and leadership of this team. Looks like it's already begun uh, so far in uh, winter workouts. Also on the, the defensive side of the ball, I wanted to talk about David Benda. He has not missed a step, according to, to a source close to – uh, the team. I mean, it, it sounds really, really positive for David Benda. He immediately took to the offseason and immediately went into individual workout, private workouts. He, he's getting his his speed, his agility, everything that was kind of a question mark as well in terms of him going backwards. Uh, that's been a, a big focus for him so far since the season ended, which was only about three weeks ago now that you look back. But uh, he's looked really good so far this week. Uh, two freshman wide receivers made headlines. Uh, Parker Livingstone, his straight line speed was really kind of what we anticipated being a strength of his. That was pointed out. And then Ryan Wingo, the agility, the mobility, everything that goes into that. Uh, his true athleticism is shining right now at six foot two. We've talked about the positionless approach that we might see with Sarkeesian. At six foot two, you get a little bit of a different uh, uh, aspect to that game with Ryan Wingo. He's been looking really good so far. And then Alex January. Bobby, I know you've mentioned him a number of times this offseason already in terms of a guy that could, you know, carve out a nice little role for him uh, this uh, this upcoming spring and, and going into the fall. He's been a guy that's been mentioned as in terms of coming in, looking ready to play. He looks like he is physically physically there. Obviously, you're going to see a, a nice, you know, concerted effort, obviously, to get him 100% up to the speed of, of college football. But right now, he's... He's been doing very well in this week. I, here, here's one thing that I took away from what you wrote too. I, I, all the all the player news is interesting. Of course, Benda and uh, Livingstone and Wingo, et cetera, Alex January. I really took away that that Quinn Ewers is trying to to up his game as a leader a little bit based off of what you wrote, uh, as well as Anthony Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? I mean, that, those are good things, uh, in my opinion, especially Quinn. I think he took a step towards that this past offseason when he kind of when he cut he famously cut the mullet, got into better shape. Yeah. He did all those things, but he was still kind of on the outside as far as a leader. Right. He was one of the guys, but he wasn't the guy mm-hmm. as a leader. That maybe have been may have been a JT Sanders or a Jordan Whittington or even a, a Christian Jones. I mean, you know what I mean? Yep. Now he's trying to take the next step in that regard, just like he was on the field last year. I, I think that's going to pay dividends. Rod, I, I ask you about that. How important is someone stepping to the front in off-season workouts important for a team uh, wow. like Texas? Uh, well, it's important for every team. Uh, but, you know, it's, it, to see – because that's where, you know, the leadership really emerges. Right, because in the off season when nobody's watching, that's when you got to hold each other accountable. Let's, there's not a lot of coaches around, right? That's more just you with the team. The strength and conditioning coaches are out there with you, but your coaches aren't around necessarily to set the hierarchy <laughs> of the team. They're not around to, uh, you know, to 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 make kind of motivate you and incentivize you. That's a lot of that is is peer oriented, peer motivated, and it is player driven. And, and what they say the best teams are player led, player driven teams. And those player led, player driven moments start in the offseason. And I, and I love what CJ said about Quinn. It is so important, man. I, I remember when I seen my man, because 
those quarterbacks, right? They they get the keys to the workout facility. They get the keys. They get the keys to the practice fields. They can actually go open up the practice fields at midnight and go throw the football. I always thought it was but, but Sims would do that. Like he would go in the middle of the night and call up some wide receivers and go, "Hey man, y'all want to go get some, go get some uh, throws in?" And they go take off middle of, middle of the night. Boom, go get some throws in. It was they, he had that ability. And that's what I learned, like, oh, when you're the starting quarterback at Texas, you get the keys, literally, so that you can go do as much work as you want, get as much as you want. Quinn don't have – I don't know exactly how they do it now, but I'm sure they have some version of Quinn's got the keys, that Quinn ain't got to go talk to somebody or text somebody when he wants to go throw some footballs and, you know, get some get some reps in with the receivers. This season, he needs to be as getting as many of them sessions in as possible. This offseason because he's got a lot of weapons, a lot of talent, but one thing they're missing is the chemistry, right? Between them. They don't they don't have that. They don't have the rhythm, right? They don't have that unspoken language and bond that you want between a, a quarterback and a wide receiver. That's gonna take some time. You don't want to take too much time because you got Michigan early on, <laughs> early on. You don't want to take too much time. So I think if you to, in order to kind of alleviate some of those growing pains, get it in in the offseason all the guys that are here. So that's what I expect from Quinn. It is Quinn's team. And I expect Quinn to be organizing all the workouts, telling guys where they need to be, not asking them about, hey, so you guys got time for this? No, I ain't got no, 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 no. We as a team need to be here at this time. We got 707 three nights a week. This time, boom, 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 boom. We're working. You know what I mean? That's that's what that's what you do. You're the leader. You're, you're, you're essentially the field general now. And so that offseason is really interesting, especially for quarterbacks. I, I got an up-close personal view of it because one of my best friends was Chris Hibbs. So I saw it. I saw him at, in action, the organizing of the workouts, challenging certain guys, working on concepts that, oh, man, you know what? We're going to take the offense to the next level. So this season we're adding these elements and concepts. So go out and work on that kind of stuff. And, you know, it was it, it, it was inspiring but also it is a challenge for those guys because not every player is going to be as enthusiastic to you know get on board with all the offseason workouts everybody you have to you have to incentivize those guys everybody's got to show up and it, it and you got to hold everybody accountable too so that's that's gonna be Quinn's challenge this way I'm sure you know that he's been doing that already um but now it's truly his team and he's gonna orchestrate it and he's got a lot of new faces on that offense specifically in the passing game that he is going to have to delegate. He's going to have to delegate in terms of what their responsibility, what their roles are. And Hey man, leadership is confrontational. You know, leadership, it can't always be, you know, congenial and amicable and when you want to be a leader, I've been one before. Sometimes it, it causes you to have to be an a-hole a bit and yep. you're going to have to hold guys accountable and have the hard conversations. That's part of what Quinn, that's part of the next step for him too. And by the way, that's what he's going to have. That's what the scouts in the NFL want to see as Bobby, as you put him, if you're going to be a one, one guy, they want to see it's your team. They want to see guys, you know, they drop passes or your team starts a little sluggish that you're the guy on the sideline getting them riled up. Hell, we heard about Lamar Jackson's locker room speech to, to the Baltimore Ravens at halftime when they're tied with the Texans 10-10. Oh, now, guys, we ain't playing to our standard. Our Texans are a good team, but we're a great team. We're going to be trying to win the Super Bowl. And we tied 10-10 with this team at home to the rookie quarterback and a rookie head coach. He ain't said like that. Apparently he was dropping a lot of bombs. But you get my point. You got to be that guy. Alpha male, grown men. 
You got to be the alpha of the alphas. And yep. they want to see the little bit of that. You ain't got to, you ain't got to always do it. I don't need you to be, you know, cussing guys out all the time. But when the time is, when the time comes and it is needed, they need to know you got it in you. Right. And that's, I think that's going to be a challenge this year. And I'm, I think he's up to it. I, I do. I think he's up to it. Yeah, I think it's great that you just brought that up today of all days. You know, four years after Kobe Bryant's passing, there is no greater leader that I've seen in my generation of sports watching than Kobe Bryant. You know, mm -hmm. he walked the walk, he talked the talk. No one's going to outwork him. And when it came down to it, he was that guy that his team looked for in terms of, you know, needing a big play, getting his team ready to go, fired up. You know, there's obviously all those big stories of him and teammates in practice and how, you know, kind of heated things got there. But that was the true leadership that separated Kobe from, you know, the rest of the pack at the time. And so I, I, I thought that was really, you know, awesome timing there. I've got to ask you this, that you just said something that's very interesting to me because I look, I'm a major sports fan. I think all of us are on here and the people that are watching probably are as well, but I, I am from a different generation than, than you CJ and, and, and Rod's different than you and me and et cetera. It's one of the good things I think I like about on Texas football. We have different, kind of categories, right, that we all come from. You you, all, you, you think your generation sees Kobe Bryant as the alpha leader uh, more so than the LeBron James of the world or those guys? Is that is that kind of your generation's thoughts typically? Okay. I mean, I'm not trying to give you it has to be hard and fast, but that's where you kind of come from on that? I, I would definitely see Kobe more so than LeBron as a, as a leader. I think mm -hmm. at times LeBron can get passive. You know, I think there's – you know, I can step off the gas a little bit. I don't think you ever saw that from Kobe. I look at Tom Brady as a great leader as well. Like, it's probably 1A, 1B with the two of them. Um, you know, I, I I think LeBron's differentiating factor there is I, I'm not going to be in your face about it to get you motivated. Like, that's going to be the expectation to play with me. You have to bring it yourself. I'm not going to get that out of you. Whereas Kobe's going to be, you know, mad dogging you, kind of in your grill, like you're going to get to my level or else you're going to be off this team or not playing, you know, and I, 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 you know, that's not what you expect from Quinn, but I think you're going to see a little bit more of an aggressive, you know, we've got to get this together because this is my last go around here and this is going to be my team. You know, I want to do something special at Texas because I love this university. It's going to be, you're either here and a part of it or we'll find somebody behind you to come, come, you know, be a part of it with me. No, I think that's, that's a good conversation because I think everybody has different guys. I mean, I, I think back to my, I mean, guys like, I mean, you know, I don't want to say Roger Staubach, but kind of like that, that would, oh, they, yeah. they didn't have any problem telling people what they thought. Although Roger Staubach has his pristine image, you know, he wasn't, mm -hmm. he wasn't one to, to, to shy Terry Bradshaw, not one to shy from conflict. You know what I mean? Yeah. In, in football, it's interesting because you think of it more from a coach's perspective. You, you think back to, to guys like Bill Parcells. I mean, talk about plain spoken and a little bit yeah. mean to people. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. it's kind of interesting. I, I just I, I found that interesting that you said that, CJ, and just to give everybody a sense for for that, because not, not everybody listening to this is 25 years old or 30 years old. They're they're, yeah. uh, they're also there. Hey, um another couple of questions. I had something that that I wanted to ask. Lovejoy has a call has an opening right now the high school and, okay. and we've been hearing some names behind the scenes. One of them, a former Longhorn uh, may be up for that job. What Tell people what you know about that situation. Is it just pure conjecture right now or, or what's going on with Lovejoy high school football? 
Yeah, love George's head coach, Chris Ross, one of the most respected uh, head coaches in the DFW area This, you know, over the past couple of years, took an uh, offensive coordinator job at Stephen F. Austin. So oh, okay. he's made the jump up to uh, the college ranks, leaving Lovejoy open. Right now, the word on the street is Todd Dodge is is uh, in position to be the next head coach at the uh, at Lovejoy. Almost like wow. University of Texas. That would have been wild. But, but no, <laughs> Lovejoy is looking to fill that spot Ooh. with one guy who uh, is one of the more respected coaches in all of the state in Todd Dodge. Yeah. And Ooh. somebody's writing board meeting at 9 a.m. Saturday, I believe. So there are people all over. Hey, Rod, you know Todd Dodge. Um, I do. You know that that he has the coaching bug, man. They, they those guys, Coach Shipley's the same. Way. They don't retire. It's it's like they they take a sabbatical and then they get back. <laughs> into it. <You> know? <laughs> no, that's it. Now you're right about that too, man. Because it's too ingrained. It's it's you know those guys. They always say, right, if a shark stops swimming, they'll die or something like that. I mean, that's some some coaches are built like that. Coach dies. It's not, I'm not surprised at all. Um, that he just needs some time to recharge the batteries. But if that is if that is indeed the case, that is a hell of a get. I mean, you're talking about somebody who knows how to build a program, you know, kind of construct it from the bottom up, um, knows what it takes, um, you know, uh, to, 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 to be a champion in the state of Texas, um, knows what kind of talent that you have to stockpile to be a champion, um, knows the different schemes. I mean, he's scheme savvy about the different schemes and how they evolve. I mean, we used to talk to Coach Dodge every week on our uh, radio show, and man, he's awesome. Like he really, he's just, he really is. Like he's a great, he's a football theorist. Like he's deep into it, man, and and has his fingers in almost every part of the football program. Like there's a part of the football program that he doesn't, you know, of the organization program, whatever he's in, involved in, that he's not actually actively. Uh, critiquing, actively trying to himself, trying to coach up. And that's what I found interesting about him. I asked Coach Dodge about everything from pregame meals to, <laughs> you know, off-season workouts to – because, I mean, he's he's one of the greatest high school coaches in the history of Texas football. You just pick his brain about all kinds of stuff. So if they're getting him, man, that, kudos. You're getting a hell of a coach. Hell of a coach. And a quarterback guru. And a quarterback guru now. He really is. I mean, he did a lot of stuff in the summers in Austin that helped produce some other quarterbacks outside of just Westlake, by yep. the way, uh, during his time in Austin. All right, guys, before we get going any further, I, I want to say thank you to our one of our sponsors today uh, is a, a new one of sorts, and it's Factor. A Factor is a meal replacement plan uh, that I use. Uh, basically, it's they have 20 to 30 different uh, meals you choose from per week. Uh, they have keto and calorie uh, smart versions. They have 55 plus weekly add-ons you can add. Uh, but one of the things I like about it is they allow you to be flexible with your meal plan. If you could do from four to 18 meals per week, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. That's a big one. So like when I go down to Austin, like I did last week, I'm there for a long time. I can pause it. Uh, and if you need a special occasion meal, they have Gourmet Plus. It's a perfect solution if you're looking for fast upscale options done easily. Uh, stress less over mealtime in the new year. Uh, factors, no prep, no mess meals, free up time. Otherwise spent shopping, cooking, and cleaning up. No more wasting time in the kitchen. Not only does Factor offer fast, simple solutions when I'm busy, too busy to cook, they also help me stay on top of my own personal goals with offerings like Protein Plus and Keto. I can stay on track. Uh, right now, head to factormeals.com forward slash 
Texas 50 and use code Texas 50 to get 50% off. That's code Texas 50 at factormeals.com forward slash Texas 50 to get 50% off. Uh, appreciate very much Factor Meals being a sponsor of On Texas Football uh, and uh, here uh, this week with us. All right. Hey, Rod and, and, and CJ, I want to go back to something that we're going to talk about over this weekend. We, the starting lineups in, in that I wanted to project, I want to, I want us for this weekend to project starting lineups on offense and defense. Now that we really think the portal is kind of closed for Texas. Yeah. Now that we know that it doesn't look like there's going to be some mad dash to the portal from Michigan players that we think Jabbar Muhammad is likely headed to Oregon or, or Alabama and not Texas. Okay. Um, what are some of the positions that you think are the most up in the air right now for Texas from a, from a uh, starting, starting standpoint? Uh, Rod, I'll let you go first and, and ha have at it. Take whatever you want. Me and CJ will fill in some too, because I've got, I've got like four right now. They're kind of getting at me. I'll just go two. I don't want to take up too many of them. I'll go two that are top of mind for me, competition-wise. And I don't know if it's just cheating, but wide receiver. Definitely. Just, I mean, it's just you had so many high-end prospects, high, you know, so much proven productivity, proven commodities coming in. I'm Jontae Cook. I'm like, I, I don't see how Jontae Cook is not in the top three. I like get, but then you got all the the proven commodities like Isaiah Bunn and Silas Bolden and Matthew Golden coming in. Uh, Ryan Wingo. I know CJ Vogels. I know CJ, you got a little man crush on, on Ryan Wingo. How do you, how, how do you not have a, a man crush on him? And, and when you have him out there, how do you not start to slowly kind of trickle him in to your rotation wide receiver, just considering how, how talented he is. So wide receivers top of mind for me. Um, I'll go one on offense, one on defense. I know a lot of people ain't on it, but I'm linebacker, man. Linebacker. Anthony Hill is starting. Done. I mean, that's <laughs> without a question. Okay. But the other linebacker spot, a lot of people are high on Bender. You know, Blackwell's out there. You got more Blackwell. Then you got those young ones, Leona LaFowle and some of the other guys bringing in. You're bringing in Blackshear. I don't think he's a an every down linebacker, but at least you're bringing another guy that's going to compete for that job. I really am interested to see who's going to be that, that other off-ball linebacker. Um, you know, when Texas has good defenses, go look at the central nervous system of their defense, man. And, you know, interior D-line, off-ball linebacker, you know, nickel, safety. It, you're usually pretty – you're pretty stout. You're pretty formidable um, there, high football IQ guys. I, man, you go look at the NFL right now too. I, I know this is an off, off the beaten path. We'll come back to it. But one of the things the NFL, they have what they call premium positions. And then they're like running back and uh, linebacker, not premium positions. But go look at the last, the few, the final four teams in the NFL right now, and go look at how they've emphasized and prioritized linebacker. The, the Ravens got the best defense in the league. Traded for a linebacker, drafted another off-ball linebacker, really high. They're not. There's, and I heard Mel Kuyper say there's no off-ball linebackers going in the first round in his mock drafts, right, in the first round. But go look at how much they mean to the 49ers with Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner. The modern hell, you saw the Lions draft Jack Campbell off ball linebacker in the first round. Year. It, it, I'm telling you, they they're not premium yet, but man, do you need them? You need them in a just a modern age of the RPO game, dual threat quarterbacks. You ain't got a good linebacker play, you in trouble. But anyway, but my point is that's why linebacker matters I, a, a lot. I think Texas they got to be really, really sound up the the gut, the central nervous system of the defense, 
And I'm I'm worried they've had you know Demarion Overshone and Jalen Ford, then you know Jalen Ford and Anthony Hill. I mean that, that's that's pretty good. That's that's NFL caliber guys, you know, in that that rotation. I you know is Bender that? I don't necessarily think Bender is that. Bender may be steady, but you know as a as a reason Bender hadn't won the starting job yet. He's been there for five years because maybe he's not that caliber of a player to be your front line starter. So I don't know that linebacker position. I'm really intrigued. What what about you, CJ? Position linebacker spot really was was one that I was thinking of. You know who's going to take that spot next to Anthony Hill? I won't go too far in depth, Rod. You really covered what I was going to talk about. Uh, but I, I think also if you look more specifically at the positions, you know, left guard, right tackle, what kind of change up we see there? I I'm for one really am. Uh, of, of the idea that Cam Williams will walk into that position and kind of take hold of that right tackle spot, but if you don't have competition, what's the point of practicing? You know, the, you know that 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 needs to drive you to get better week in and week out during the off season, especially in spring football. So if Hayden Connor is able to push Cam Williams, that's great. That opens up the left guard spot. What happens there? Cole Hudson, NATO. I mean, that that those battles are what you as an offensive line coach live for, because that means that your offensive line is in very good hands and the health of, of the competition in depth is something that you can certainly sit back and say, okay, if someone goes down, that's, that sucks, but we're prepared for it. We have the pieces, we have the depth, we have the talent. I think Texas is in a position right now to say that's, that's how you could uh, classify and characterize our offensive line at the moment. So uh, I'll, I'll be looking at those spots specifically on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I, I, I think those are good. I, here's one that, that I don't think is talked enough. I, I would have said wide receiver, by the way, first. I mean, I, I think that's just a – that's kind of like a mind-blowing kind of, you know, pick your poison kind of which way do you want to go with this thing and yeah. who's going to be healthy. I mean, it, they've got they've got numbers there that I think are impressive. Um, the, the position for me that's most intriguing is safety. Oh, Let's think about that because you have Jade Barron that's coming back as nickel. That likely, you would think, pushes Andrew Makuba, a three-year starter at Clemson, back to safety, which he started at as a true freshman at Clemson and was a freshman All-American, CJ and Rod, right? Yeah. You have Michael Taft coming back, and you have Derek Williams on his in his sophomore run. And old Rod talking about man crushing over Ryan Wingo. Rod man crushes over or over Derek Williams. Yes, I do. <laughs> so yes, how's that going to look? And what about, you know, any of the newcomers? Jelani McDonald's going back there now. Yeah. And I feel like that might be a position that we don't really, like, I feel like Derek Williams and Andrew Makuba may be your starters, or I feel like Makuba and Taft may be your starters. It's, it's a kind of a weird mix that they're going to have to kind of formulate back there. I, I don't know yeah. which way it's going to go, though. I mean, what you have any thoughts on that, Rod? No, it's interesting because they is and they they really like Taft. I mean, I got to go look and see how many starts Taft had, but I, I could see coming into the into the spring that Taft and maybe Makuba are your starters just based off experience. I could see that. I'm a front. I'm a. I'm. I'm just kind of a high-end guy. I want the guys with the most upside. I Derek Williams, I believe, is one of your two best safeties. And I think Makuba is going to walk in also as one of your two best safeties. So to me, that would be your two best safeties. But I am not trying to disrespect Taft, Daddy. 
I, I, I respect what Taff has done. And every time people try to count him out, Taff ends up proving people wrong. That's what he does. So the coaches love him. He's assignment side. And that's the thing about it. it Makuba doesn't know the system yet either. I, now, I don't anticipate that being an issue because football IQ is through the roof. God played all three positions, Dabo Swinney said, at Clemson. So I don't anticipate him acclimating to a new system, learning a new system as an issue. Uh, but Taft knows it. Taft, Taft, matter of fact, was more assignment sound than any of your safeties last season. Or as, and that includes your Jaron Thompson's of the world, too. I mean, he was pretty assignment sound, was always in the right place. Trust me, coaches, they, they love that. And he's a great leader. He is. No, and he's – He's got great football character. I mean, this is, he's talking about Todd Dodge and Westlake. He he knows what good football culture is is all about. He knows what it looks like, what it smells like, <laughs> knows what it feels like. He's talked about that. And Sark, and Sark has talked about that. Sark has talked about getting guys from championship teams and championship uh, cultures in high school. And he hasn't talked about the detail of why he likes that. I think because I think because they root out bad football culture, or at least they rehabilitate it. You can't you can't be old, you know, you go to you go to Westlake and you end up, you know, being able to start as, you know, a, a safety or whatever at Westlake. Trust me, you had to beat out some good players and you had to exhibit good football character. Right. Work ethic, things of that nature. And I think certain likes guys coming in with that um, anyway. But I think Taft's got that. So I'm not going to count out Taft, daddy. I'm not. I agree with you in what you said. Taft will challenge it. He will. He will challenge for the spot. I think ultimately it's Makuba and Derek Williams. But I wouldn't be surprised if he. It, it ends up breaking through as a starter. It wouldn't shock me if that's the case. He's going to play a bunch. Yes, I mean, he will. And, and he's a special teams guy too. You know, he's going to run down. I mean, it's not, I just kind of thought that was an interesting one because of the, the combo there. Right. Yeah. Like, and you know, he's not a man coverage guy necessarily either. Mm-mm. And so you have to worry about that a little bit. I, I, I think it's going to be interesting the safety position. I I agree though, Rod. Out of the out of the right out of the shoot with you, wide receiver. I mean, it's like Larry's fish house. Any fish you oh, wish, you know. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you just don't know what's going to happen uh, on there. All right, hey, I've got some more questions. We're going to take questions the rest of the time. We got about fifteen minutes uh, left here in this live stream. Uh, Friday afternoon, Longhorn live stream. I'm Bobby Burton, joined by Rod Babers and C.J. Vogels. Uh, C.J. Vogel, excuse me. Tried to make you plural there. CJ. Is Texas interested in Jamil Burroughs? He entered the portal from Miami recently, was a rotational DAL guy with Alabama in 2022, uh, 310 pounds. So Jamil Burroughs is a highly ranked prospect. To my knowledge, Texas has not shown interest. He did not leave Miami in the best of situation. So if there is, if Texas were to go after him, I think Texas would have to overcome some off-field issues and try to look a little deeper into that prior to actually going on him. Is he good enough to play at Texas? Yeah, he's good enough to play just about anywhere in the country. The issues have been off the field for him, both at Alabama and Miami. Yeah, is what I've heard. So he was not expected to be a part of the Miami program moving forward as well. Yeah, he, even before he went in the portal. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's what I was getting at. He, he's not just a, a, a normal a normal guy there. Hey, um, Rick Amberguy asked this, and, and CJ, I know you heard something about this, and so did I. It's extremely early, but Brandon Baker reportedly looks the part. That's the big tackle from Santa, Santa Ana, modern day, California. 
Yeah, no, I thought that was, you know, one of the reasons why he was rated as a five-star. You know, you see the length, you see the wingspan. Obviously, he can move very well. The lower body uh, lines up with the speed of, of just about anybody that he would face at his classification. Biggest question mark is, will that speed and translate, you know, to the next level? Can you expect him to be uh, quickly, you know, able to, you know, get used to pass rushers of Trey Moore, Ethan Burke, Baron Sorrell's, you know, stature coming off the edge this quickly right now, probably not, but that's, that's fine. You know, Texas now has the luxury of having a borderline five-star offensive tackle sit back for a year or two before being thrown into the fire. And that's something where, you know, probably in the last 15 years, you didn't have that luxury, you know, (laughs) one, Texas wasn't getting five-star offensive linemen. And two, you know, there's a pretty good crop of guys that you expect to be on that starting five, you know, right now. So, I would love to see Brandon Baker, you know, kind of take uh, this weight room to heart early in his career. That's going to expedite what we could potentially see him grow into as a Texas Longhorn. Uh, but I wouldn't say he's necessarily too far off from what he came in from. We've talked about Westlake and Michael Taft coming from a good program. Modern day is one of the best in the entire country. And, yeah. you know, they get those guys ready to go right away. And I, I'm very excited for what Brandon Baker will eventually turn into. But right now he's coming in campus looking pretty good. So, uh, Bobby, we watched that Polynesian all-star game and, you know, there were some really high, really good moments that we saw from him, but also some moments in which he's going to have to get cleaned up, uh, at the college level right now, being able to sit a five-star guy and say, Hey, like we'll get to you when you're ready, but go, go work on everything that, that is technically sound, everything that you can add to your body physically. That's a, that's a win-win for Texas. Mm-hmm. Got it. All right. Hey, a uh, couple other questions here that are coming in and, and uh, people have asked. I'm going to go to this one. Um, Mr. Talk Too Much, 817. Terrence Brooks has to get better attacking the football. And if Muhammad, Jabbar Muhammad, I'm assuming here, needs to needs to be promised a spot, let him ride. Compete or don't eat. What do you? We were talking about this this morning, Rod, uh, about how you had mentioned Manny Muhammad. Yeah. was one of those guys that was a natural kind of ball guy. Mm-hmm. And the difference between him and, and Terrence Brooks has kind of been that, even though I think Brooks ended the season with three picks this year, right? Um, you know, is is there a – are we thinking that Muhammad is more of a field corner and Brooks is more of a – Terrence Brooks is more of a natural corner? Is that is that your thought process as well? Because we were kind of debating that this morning in Coffee and Football. Yeah, my take on Terrence Brooks is I think Terrence Brooks is just a really good overall defensive back. I go back to the quote he had when he was recruited by Ohio State, and he said, Ohio State recruited me to play DB. They told me I could play corner. I ended up playing safety or nickel. I talked to his dad, who was a former DB uh, in the league with the 49ers, former DB with the Wrecking Crew. As a matter of fact, he he does claim to be the man that came up with the wrecking crew term. That, Trent Brooks. That Brooks yeah, he, he does claim that. That you know what? I'll give him props on that too. Um, but he he says my son can play any position in secondary, right? I'm a he was a DB in the NFL. Trust me, if I had a son, my son probably could play play any position in secondary too. So I trust the man on that. And so I I, I think that makes him more of a technician. Um, that will always put him in the right place. I think ball hawk is something that's more of a natural instinct. Uh, and Malik Muhammad has it naturally. I go back to that play where he has the interception. Uh, was that yeah, – I'm trying to think of what game that was. He has the interception. It may have been – Texas Tech is what I mentioned. Tech, right? Where he reached behind yeah. the guy. Yeah. Yeah, it is the Tech game where he's beaten, by the way. He's beaten yep. on that play. Yep. Uh, and actually, he should have been 
using his makeup speed to catch, identify the receiver and catch up to the receiver, but he didn't. If you'll notice, what did he, what is, where was his eyes the entire time on the ball? He did not even, uh, he did not reacquire the receiver until he was already to the football. He was watching the football on top time. That's natural. I get beat. I'm trying to find the man. I'm gonna go catch. That's my. That's where they're throwing the football. He didn't do that. He's idea. So I just say it's. It, I think for some guys that's just kind of natural. And I think for Malik Muhammad, he's naturally a ball hawk guy. He almost made a play on the ball in the in the Washington game. So I do think some guys they hunt ball. They see ball. I think Terrence Brooks is a te- technician. I think he's got great techniques. Got really good footwork. Um, what he's got to work on. Yeah, if naturally, if you're not a ball hawk, making plays on the ball. I think like I wasn't a natural ball hawk either. You know, making plays on the ball at times can be a challenge. I think he plays sticky enough coverage. His next, I guess, the next step for him will be a guy that can play through the man to the ball in, in coverage. But they want to play more man to man. They're going to start playing more with their backs to the football anyway. Ideally, you, guys, that's what they want to do. Do you think Brooks is the is the boundary corner and Muhammad's the 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 field? No, I think they want uh, I think they want Muhammad getting a lot of the action, and Muhammad actually is he's he's pretty good in run defense. I yeah. I think they it depends on the system. This is why I think they want to get away from that. Remember, I told you they want to cross train these guys. I think they're getting tired of that the rigidity of this guy's a boundary, this guy's a field, this guy's a field safety boundary. Safety. Oh, the ankle doesn't travel. I think they want to get past all that. That's what's getting them in trouble. If, if, if Ryan Watts can't cover the deep ball and he's always on the boundary side, well, it's pretty damn easy <laughs> to just keep putting the guy on there on the boundary side. They can just run him deep, right? Like it, it's too easy to attack a defense like that because everybody's got their strengths and weaknesses. And now you just made it really easy for me to identify them and be able to find them in your defense. I, I believe they're trying to get away from it. I think that's what they want to do, but I could be wrong about that. Um, but I think I would make Malik Muhammad probably my field. I'm sorry, my boundary corner. And I'd put I'd keep Terrence Brooks to the field because I think Terrence Brooks is, is a guy who um, can play off coverage really well if he needs to. And Malik Muhammad, the shorter throws, the easier throw. I want him defending the easier throws. I think he's a better cover guy, straight-up man-to-man cover guy. The longer throws, tougher throws, I want that for my field corner, and that's Terrence Brooks. I think he's a good technician. Um, you try to beat him late in a progression, I think he's going to make you pay for that. So I, that's, what, that's what I would do. And I think that's what they're doing, if I'm not mistaken. What about the second part of that question that he asked uh, about Jabbar Muhammad expecting to get promised a, a, a starting spot? Is that real? I mean, are you are you just? I mean, it seems like that that takes the competition out of it. But it's got to be at some point you have to look at it and say, well, would I start there? Or mm. you know what I mean by that? What I don't know how you how do you guarantee somebody a starting spot when there's no contract. Like the NFL, a guy's guaranteed a starting spot, not really because the coach guarantees it. Most of the time it's because contractually he's the highest priced cornerback or the highest priced wide receiver. And the owner's like, I'm paying good money for that, that receiver. He, he's going to be on the field. And then the coach kind of builds it from there. Sometimes you see guys make a lot of money in the NBA. You see it all the time. But sometimes you see guys in the NFL make a lot of money and they sit, sit on the bench because they just couldn't win the starting job. I don't know how in college you guarantee a player a starting spot um, and if you're a player, what's your, you know, I mean, what, what's your, <laughs> I don't know what, what your other alternative is. If he, if you don't start, say I was guaranteed to start a spot and I didn't start, what's, what's my recourse? Like, what, what do I do? I mean, 
the transfer portal, I guess. Quit the team. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's like, okay, yeah, but not for Jabron Muhammad trying to go to the league. So I don't even know how you would, what your recourse would be if the coach reneged on his promise to start you. I don't know what it is. Unless you say, listen, I want my NIL deal to be so lucrative that the boosters and the donors are like, oh, he going to play. Oh, we, oh, how much, oh, two million, whatever it is, two million dollars for a quarter. Oh, he going to play, sir. Sorry, coach. You, you, I don't you think it's going to be $2 million for a quarter. I'll put <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know. Otherwise, if you're getting half a million, like, they don't care about a quarter of a million dollars. Like, they're like, oh, they don't care. Loads of winning games. I don't know what your recourse is if you don't start. Like, yeah. Uh, Mr. Talk Too Much says, uh, here we go. Not spell check fail. The other one. I meant to get this here. Our guys were happy to get interceptions too often. Maybe didn't expect them. I think that there's some some validity to that. Uh there were a couple, only a couple plays where I saw that they were they weren't just in the right spot at the right ter- time, but they made it. Jade Barron's interception against Alabama was one of those. Jaron Thompson, yeah. I thought, made one against Iowa State and Alabama as well. You mentioned the Manny Muhammad one uh, that looked like they 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 made that play, uh, so to speak. Uh, hey, Rod, I'll come back to this real quick. Uh, because Willie Gay is the new defensive analyst for the University of Texas. Mm-hmm. He's not an on-field guy, uh, but he is, he is a DB like yourself. He says, Ty Abraham says, our con- corners will stay in phase better with Willie Gay there to teach them. What do you think about that? Because uh, clearly, I mean, that's, teaching to stay in phase is something Terry Joseph and every other DB coach works works with guys on. What do you think about the comment about Willie Gay, though? Uh, yeah, and I and you know I'm sure every coach has a different definition. For those who don't know, in phase means being a being in a position, having the receiver secured enough in coverage to play the football. In phase, out of phase, you're not. Basically, you're out of position. You're out of phase. Um, and Willie Gay, I, say, I, I think if I'm the coaches and I see William uh, William Gay out there, the uh, defensive back who spent what 11 years in the league, I believe, 10 of those with the Steelers. I would give him a special project. I talked to Coach Shipley about this. I'd give him a special project, and I'd say there are certain concepts that RDBs have not been able to defend really well the last two years. Bunch formations, inside breaking routes, um, you know, hell, even the deep ball. It's also something Texas has struggled to defend the deep ball, came back to haunt them. I, I, I need you to give us all the ideas you had with the Pittsburgh Steelers, with Dick LeBeau, Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin's a DB coach. It was my DB coach when I was with the Tampa Bay Bucks, so he knows about playing DB and the technique before he became a guru and a head coach. Dick LeBeau, one of the great defensive minds. They, they saw a lot of concepts during William Gay's time there, and I'm sure they had a lot of ideas and solutions about how to defend those concepts, similar to the same ones football. The, the, the point of football theory is it's all connected. <laughs> it's all connected. So there, he's, he's defending conceptually some of the same things that Texas DBs had, had had troubles defending this past two years under PK. And I want his ideas. I want solutions. I want the experience of what you and Mike Tomlin and Dick LeBeau talked about, about defending those particular concepts. That's what I would put him on. Cause it got, it's something maybe that Texas has not thought about. And Texas has something has not figured out. Cause I've, you know, I've pointed this out before and talked to you guys, those troublesome concepts for Texas and pass defense they weren't this this season. They had trouble defending inside breaking routes last season. That's why I started tracking it. The reason I started tracking bunch formations is because they were terrible at defending them just from the eye test. I said, I got to start tracking this. They were def- they're terrible at defending those things. So that's why I started tracking it. And they that's why, like I said, it's it's existed now oh, throughout 
multiple years and the defense has gotten better, much better. But still that those issues have plagued them. And I guess I was hoping Coach Aquino would come in and do it. If Coach Aquino can't do it, William Gay can do it. If Gary Patterson was still here, he'd be great to do it because he's a secondary guy. You need a secondary guy to come look at it because, and I love Terry Joseph, and but they haven't really, and Blake Gideon, but they haven't really figured out yet how to get our DBs to better play some of those those troublesome concepts and, and, and t- techniques and areas. Got it. All right, uh, before we got time for a couple more questions here, uh, but before we get there, I want to say thank you once again to our sponsor of the Friday afternoon live stream, each and every one of them. That's Andy Ludicky at myperfectfranchise.net. If you're interested in starting a new business in the new year uh, and, are think, and think that the franchise game might be right for you, uh, give Andy a shout at 404-973-9901 or email him at andy at myperfectfranchise.net. And he does a great job of taking you through a process, qualifies you for the right businesses, gets you in the in the right thinking in the right direction of what you can uh, be able to acquire and or do. Uh, give him a call, 404-973-9901. Andy's a really good guy. I appreciate him and his sponsorship of the live stream. All right, just a little bit of a reset here. Uh, we talked early in this uh, show, uh, Steve Sarkeesian up in East Texas today. Already went by Texarkana, Texas High, was at Pleasant Grove High High School, meeting with Lance Jackson just a few minutes ago. Uh, Then also we talked about Sharon Moore and his likelihood of taking over the Michigan program uh, as well. Uh, He right now, uh, nobody of knowledge really uh, right now has entered the portal at the University of Michigan, which means that that was one of the things that we were waiting on to see what might happen. Uh, The answer is nothing at this point in time. Uh, and then we talked a little bit about Todd Dodge, maybe being the next guy, the former Texas quarterback, of course, also state championship winning coach, not only at Austin Westlake, but also South Lake Carroll, him possibly taking the Lovejoy job up in the Metroplex. CJ, <laughs> CJ Vogel's uh, alma mater there, I believe. Wow. Is that- oh, is that right? I'm happy. I'm happy. Get the <laughs> Okay, that's legit, man. That DF, DFW, man, they just keep low. It's an arms race in DFW between the coaches, facilities, and the it's crazy. It's wild. It, it, I, I couldn't believe it. I saw my first this was this happened back in the either late 90s or early 2000s. I saw my first indoor practice facility at Allen High School, man. and that was like in the late 90s. And then by like 2001, there were like 10 in the DFW area. Dang. It was like copycat, man. They wow. spend some money on indoor facilities up in Dallas now. That's crazy. Man. They really do. Frisco uh, <laughs> in the as the star now, as you know, which yeah. is incredible for games and stuff. All right, uh, hey uh, CJ, uh, one more question I had for you uh, came out of a recruiting centric question that I thought was interesting, uh, and that was that came from uh, E Kim, and this is, uh, do you see? A 2026 prospect, John Turntine, the big offensive tackle uh, out of North Crowley that came in for junior day as better than any of the 2025 prospects. You know, do you, do you like what are your thoughts on that? Or is Turntine still got some work ahead of him? Well, of course. I mean, he, he's young. He's just coming off of his sophomore year. Uh, he did weigh in at about 6'4", 298 on the Texas junior day. So the size is there. You know, he is physically imposing. He doesn't look like he has much baby fat at all whenever you see him in person. Uh, the tape certainly backs up a, a guy in which 
you could expect to be in the conversation to be a top five offensive lineman in the entire state, regardless of classification. Right now, if I were to line up everybody uh, in the state that, uh, you know, is holding those big D1 offers, turn times right up there with Michael Fasusi. Uh, you cannot probably toss in a guy like Connor Cardi on the interior. He has some pretty impressive film there as well. Uh, obviously, the Bridgeland offensive tackles are in that conversation. Jonte Newman, Ryan Foji. Uh, Lamont Rogers. There's a lot of good guys. You know, it's a very strong class. Ty Haywood out of Denton Ryan. But what you're looking at right now, this early for for uh, John Turntine at North Crowley, I mean, that's a special talent. You know, we we might be looking at another prospect that is in that Kelvin Banks range and what you would consider to be a can't-miss five-star guy on the offensive line. Turntine is special. I well, think, so. I think he came in right at six foot four uh, at Texas, but the wingspan was like something incredible. Right. So, I mean, that he's one of those big guys, and then he's got the arms that, he, that go on forever as well. So uh, certainly one of the elite uh, prospects around the state of Texas. All right, that's going to do it for this afternoon's live stream. Thanks for stopping by and visiting with us. Uh, come on by on TexasFootball.com. Continue the conversation. We'll be around. We're also following Sark to see where he's going next, uh, as well as if there are any other new scholarship offers out there for the University of Texas Longhorns. All right, for Rod Babers and C.J. Vogel, I'm Bobby Burton. Thank, special thanks once again to Andy Ludicky at MyPerfectFranchise.net. For Rod and C.J., y'all take care now. Have a good weekend. Hook them. Hook them. Hook them. <laughs>